Hannah Shields, and you're listening to The Cozy Sleuth. Today, Snoops and Sleuths, I'm chatting with author Tanya Capes, is it? It's actually Capus, but that's okay. You can call me whatever. <laughs> Tanya Capus, about her books, writing, and all things cozy. Tanya, would you like to introduce yourself to my Snoops and Sleuths? Sure. Well, first off, um, Leanne, I really appreciate you having me. Um, and my name is Tanya Kappas, and I have been writing, uh, publishing for 10 years, and I write um, in the cozy mystery genre. I initially started out with paranormal cozy mystery, and then um, I've been self-publishing for 10 years, and was picked up by HarperCollins for a self-published series that was paranormal. Uh, that was the first self-published author I think they ever picked up in mystery. Then um, I, I have two other publishers. So I self-publish and I publish with um, three publishers traditionally. And actually last month I hit over the two million books sold mark. So I'm still going strong. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, yeah. you're busy. Just a smidgen. <laughs> <laughs> and here I thought I was busy with having let's see my first cozy mystery out writing the sequel to it the sequel to the sequel and I've got another series going on in my head right now and oh, you're, no, doing, you're doing good you're doing great <laughs> so what's the name of your book uh well which book I have uh, <laughs> over a hundred. Oh goodness <laughs> So I have seven different series and um, that is, they're just all, you know, all different um, cozy sleuths ranging from a, a sleuth that is a mail carrier in her fifties, which I relate to really well, all the way down to sleuths in their twenties. So I try to cover a wide range and also in all of my cozy mysteries, all of the side characters are in various different age ranges as well. So you can see their points of view um, as they are sleuthing right along with the main sleuth, so. Oh, those all sound like great characters. Yeah, so they all have a part to play. But really, um, I think my character, they're all set in Kentucky because I'm from Kentucky and they're all Southern. And a lot of my readers uh, tell me, which I do make it a point that my settings, my, my cozy towns are just as much of a character as the other characters. So it's just as much of a secondary character as any other secondary character in the book series. So I always try to make, um, to take the reader along um, like they were be, be, you know, watching it as I'm watching it. Oh, that's great. So is any of your writing inspired by your actual life? <laughs> That's so funny that you would ask that. Everybody asks me that all the time. So yeah, I mean, actually it is. So there was one character in my ghostly Southern mystery series where the sleuth is an undertaker and she sees dead bodies of people that she buried six feet under that were actually murdered um, and they cannot cross over until they have their, um, you know, obviously their murder solved. But in the first book, her grand, because, you know, the first book of a series, you have to establish, you know, why the sleuth 
really needs to solve it and why the, your readers care about her solving it. So in the first book in that series, A Ghostly Undertaking, she, her grandmother is the number one suspect. So of course she's going to try to figure it out because she's being haunted by the ghost. The police, they have all the evidence that the grandmother did it. And the ghost says, no, it wasn't your grandmother. I know it wasn't your grandmother, although we hated each other, right? <laughs> and so, um, anyways, what happened is that the, uh, lead character the lead the the person that was murdered in that book the victim her name is ruthie sue Payne, and we, of course in kentucky we all have two names and we go by two names and so ruthie sue is actually a neighbor of mine when she we used to i mean i'm old and so we i used to go to her house when she was in her 80s every Sunday night and watch murder she wrote with her and she would toddle across the street every every day with a little uh you know a little whiskey a little Kentucky bourbon or something in her little glass and so um it was kind of a little nod to her because she was so fun and and my books are fun and southern and so she was the epitome of that character so of course I made that character after her but also in another series of mine, um, the Kenny Lowry series, where the sleuth is a female sheriff, because we have sheriffs in Kentucky, in our counties. And so the female sheriff, um, one of the main um, characters there, uh, she was, it, so we had, it's, it's really funny because there's a character named Chicken Teeter. And so we, I literally grew up with a lady in my small country town of Nicholasville and her name was Chicken Tudor and she was a moonshiner. So many times, <laughs> sorry, my dogs might bark. Uh, many times did we pull up in our old station wagon where, uh, you know, we got moonshine back then. And so I'm sorry, I don't know why they're barking. Uh, so anyway, so we, uh, Lucy, so we, um, so when people ask me that, and I'm super, super involved with my readers and my newsletters are all about my personal life and you know, they're really not a newsletter that you would expect from an author. So a lot of my newsletter people um, follow me because I always tell a personal story every week and I do a weekly newsletter um, and every week there's a different personal story. And they um, thought it was hilarious. So in the summer, I was at my parents um, and we all have a quarantine, as I call it. <laughs> and my mother and I were talking and she has a pool and we were, of all things, talking about shaving our legs, right? <laughs> and her and my sister were there and they're like, oh, you know, during quarantine, we've not really shaved you know, our legs. I'm like, I don't know how y'all can stand it. That is gross. And so the next <laughs> thing I know, my 73 year old mother gets up and goes in the kitchen and, or gets up and goes in the house. And I think she's in the kitchen and I hear this clattering coming from their house and I run in and she'd actually gone upstairs to shave her legs. And I said, what are you doing? and she said, well, I put my foot up on top of my vanity chair and it slipped out from under me. And I said, oh, well, we need to go to the emergency room. It looks like your arm I miss swelling up. She's like, oh no, it's fine. I'll just take him some Advil. And so as the day progressed, I'm like, mom, we really need to go to the emergency room. And I don't live near, I live two hours from them and I was going to drive home. And she said, no, no, you know, I'll just go ahead and, and take some more Advil later. I'm like, no, really, before I leave, you really need to take some 
oh, we need to take you to the emergency room. She said, okay, I guess we'll go. And so I have long hair and I had it pulled up on top of my head, you know, in the top knot because I've been sitting at the pool. And oh, yeah. so she comes out and she is the epitome of a Southern woman. She has on her jewelry. She has on um, her dress and some little cute shoes. And I said, okay, well, let's go. And so she sat down and she goes, I'm not going. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, with you looking like that, with your hair like that. And I go, what do you mean you're not going with my hair like that? She goes, now what about if we see somebody? I'll be embarrassed. And I said, mom, we're going to the emergency room. She goes, I'm not going. And she made me, no kidding, no joke, Leanna, go upstairs and get ready. Put on <laughs> like a full ensemble of clothes and lipstick because we never leave our the house without lipstick. And she would not go to the emergency room. So I had to go upstairs and get ready. Now, although she did end up breaking her wrist, by the way. Oh. And although it seems like, oh my gosh, it's such a tragedy. But those are the stories that I tell. And I write about Southern mothers. And so the long story short, because wow. I'm really good at talking, making a long story longer, um, is that yes, my roots and my Southern family and friends do somehow meander into a story or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that story was absolutely fabulous. Thank you. So yeah, so whenever people get my newsletter, I mean, I get people always say, oh my goodness, I just can't believe it. So, you know, something always happens, Leanna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your life sounds very much active. It is active. I raised four boys and um, they're all in their 20s now. So that's a good thing. Um, so they just have always kept me young, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any advice for those who would want to write or write their own cozies? You know, I love that question because um, it's interesting that I, I talk to a lot of writers, a lot of cozy writers on Zoom since we have um, you know, been in quarantine and not been able to be together. And I was just, I don't know if you know Amy Boyles or Addison Moore or who they are, but we were actually just talking about this the other day. And I said, you know, if I was to tell my younger self some advice, which, um, well, first off and foremost is write daily, you know, write every day. And I do, I get up every day and I write at least 4,000 words a day. Um, and they're not the best of words, but they're 4,000 words that you can also edit, but also don't write so many series. And I know that that's, you've got all these ideas in your head and jotting them down, but juggling seven series was so difficult. So I have now narrowed it down to three main series with a new series launching in 2021, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just that, you know, readers are so voracious for your characters that, you know, when you have a series that they love, you know, really it's in your best interest income wise um, and reader wise for your readers to pick up to um, continue to write in that series. Um, also, another group of gals I talk with, um, or I don't know if you know Diane Capri or even Jana DeLeon. 
um, or Leanne Dobbs, but the three, the four of us were talking and they have all agreed in the same thing, you know, um, cause we've all written several series and, you know, it's so funny cause we're all kind of seasoned and we all kind of started out together 10 years ago and we've all said, oh my goodness, you know, if we knew, you know, because all of us have that one series that readers love and honestly, um, you know, they have, you know, some people have picked up other series, but you had those main series and then I'll like not write a book in that series for a couple of months. And then I get the emails. When is the next book coming out? When's the next book coming out? So really, I would say focus on one to two series um, other than writing um, every day. So that that would be my my two points of advice, I guess. But writing every day really is, you know, what you are. You're a writer, right? So a lot of authors go down that rabbit hole of wanting to teach how to write a cozy mystery or want to teach social media and wants to teach marketing. Um, And I did that, you know, when I um, first started out, I was one of the very first self-published authors and actually was shamed for it um, and was called out saying I wasn't really a writer. And actually the Kindle hadn't even come out yet. It was before the Kindle. So my husband had a Sony e-reader. Um, and I was shunned by a huge writing organization and writing organization is still around today. But interestingly enough, after they saw the success I was having, um, they said, oh, would you want to start, uh, we'll pay you to go around to our chapters and teach self-publishing. So I ended up writing a self-publishing marketing book. And, um, I did that for about two or three years. I'm like, sure, you shunned me and kicked me out, but I'll take your money now. Um, but, um, so I did do that, but then I had to sit down and really look at myself. You know, are you a writer or are you a teacher? And I'm a teacher by trade. I have a degree in education and I did do that. Um, but what my passion is, is writing and my purpose um, is to have one reader escape. That, that's why I became a writer, is to help one reader escape from their daily life. Um, and so if I make one reader happy every day, then I am I'm great. So, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, you look back at, at all those things and you decide, you know, which, which would you do over and which wouldn't you do over? And for me, I guess I wouldn't really do anything over. I think I would just be a little bit smarter. So. I, I hear you on that one I mean even with like I've been self-publishing about as long as you I've right. I've been and like you I was shunned by at least two different writers groups on mm. on different social media platforms and wherever mm. for not being a real writer mm-hmm. but now it's like I'm I love doing my writing and now I've started doing this podcast and everything and you do have to be kind of smart about what you pursue right where you spend your time yes and not take away from your purpose exactly yeah I get that I get that 110 percent So do you have a favorite character or would you get in trouble with your other characters? (laughs) Well, you know, truly, um, I do have a favorite character and the other characters would probably kill me, but um, I do, I do have, I guess, 
My favorite character would probably be Emily Raines from the Ghostly series, just because um, she was so fun to write. Now, when the third contract with HarperCollins came up, they don't own the books. So um, I was having a difficult time with having to sign another contract with them. So I continue to write the series after that, but I still have a good relationship with them and I love my editor still and keep in contact with them. But I think Emily, just for the fact that she was the first true um, cozy character that I wrote about and really enjoyed um, her and her Southern ways and her crazy grandmother, um, Zula Faye. <laughs> And just all those characters are really, really fun to write. Uh, that was a really popular series, but I also love my white, my Mae West uh, character who is in the Camper and Criminals Cozy Mystery series. That just kind of took out of nowhere. When I, and, and we have a um, travel trailer and it's parked up on eight acres that I own that overlooks Ohio River on Kentucky. And actually I go there every day and work. That's my office is my camper. And so she has really taken off. I guess campers really took off around that time as well. And so she really took off and it's been, um, my readers love it. Um, Hallmark has um, obviously, well, not obviously, but Hallmark has, um, you know, has the rights to make that to public or to make that to movie currently. And the if that's still out, um, I mean, they have the the right refusal or whatever right now. So that's still an ongoing thing. Um, so I don't know if that'll ever happen, but that seems to be the character that re my readers have resonated with over the past three years. Um, and she is the one that really my life meaning living wise. Like I could go live in my camper and be a happy, happy, happy person. Um, since COVID, I do all my, I do virtual book signings and they're in my camper um, and we go camping a lot. So I think if it was a true to life kind of, I can write about her because it's easy because I live that life, but I'm not, you know, 30 something either, but I was, so I can have that advice. Uh, <laughs> And then um, she has a group of characters called the Laundry Club Ladies that they meet in a laundry club. They meet in the laun laundromat called the Laundry Club. And so because at a campground, you have to do laundry. So that's her, her group of sleuths. And so, and they all kind of range in various ages. So I see a little bit of myself in each one of their ages. So there's the 20s all the way up to the 80s. And so... Um, since I'm currently writing in that series right now, um, she's quickly becoming one of my favorites. And I'm already on, have released just book 15 last week. So, wow. So, yeah, so she's quickly becoming a favorite. But I think I would have to say Emma just because she was one of my very first. And, you know, she was just kind of the true love that I worked so hard on and took a lot of time with to learn the craft and those kind of things. Yeah, I I understand with that because my current series I'm working on, um, the Mystic Ranch Mysteries. Yeah, tell Sabia, me about that. Oh, um, well, Sabia's like my favorite character. She's she's I like to say she's 
the me I wish I was. Yeah. <laughs> She's. Here those in my book, but not my <laughs> There's my furry co-host. <laughs> I have a few of those. Yeah. Anyway, she's uh, thin. She runs a ranch in Southern Colorado. Yes, I love your covers with her. <laughs> oh. I love her long hair. That's actually that's a big part of her character because she's what I call an eco mage, mm -hmm. which means she's very close to the earth, the environment, mm -hmm. and her hair changes color with mm -hmm. oncoming weather. <laughs> like, like if it's going to be cold and snowy, her hair lightens in color. Mm -hmm. um, well, I haven't quite encountered what happens when it starts storming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, just the possibilities of it make me laugh. Yeah. Um, I'm currently editing book two. Yeah. And... As much as I love the fact that you love my colors, I'm actually in, or covers, I am in mid-rebranding uh, of oh, them. Yeah? Well, my artist is moving away, so oh. I have to get new covers for that and book two and any further on. Okay. Now, are you planning on keeping her as the main focus of your cover, or do yes. you know? Oh, I am planning on keeping her as the main focus. Um, the next book in the series, the first book is called Sparks of Suspicion. Yes. The next book is going to be called Stock Show Stalker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> These are cozy names. Isn't it great? I mean, yes. don't you love writing in this genre? Oh, I love it. Um, oh. she, and in mine, she lives in a small town that is inhabited by what I call mythics. Um, okay. Her best friend is a centaur who runs the town coffee shop called Sparks. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, and I love Colorado where you have that. Yeah. Actually, the area, oh, it's such a beautiful area. It's close to the New Mexico border. Mm -hmm. It's Oh, so it's a real town. Uh, La Sola itself is not a real town, but it's oh, okay. nestled between two real locations. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, Pagosa Springs, Colorado, okay. which is a tourist town. They have great hot springs that range from, there's like a 75 degree pool to 114 degree pool. And they have like uh, hot air balloon things. And it's, beautiful. it's a beautiful little town. And then on the other side of this fake this fictional town is a town called Durango. Okay. Which is a little bit, it's a bigger city, but they're all basically close to the New Mexico border. Okay. Which is kind of why I decided to make Sabia Native American. Right. Perfect. In her, in her heritage. And I researched what Native American tribes had um, elves, basically, in their mm -hmm. folklore. Yeah, there are about six different tribes that have a form of elf in their folklore. That's amazing. My grandfather, um, my grandmother was my great grandmother was full Native American, 
And so um, we have a lot of that in our family. So I love that. I'm actually a member of the Choctaw tribe oh, of Oklahoma. <laughs> but you live in, but were you, weren't you born in, did I see that you were born in Colorado? No, I was raised in Colorado. I was born, I was born in Texas. Oh. <laughs> in a town that would really work for a cozy mystery setting. It had more cows than people. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so cool. So yeah, I'm actually a card carrying member of the tribe. I'm the last I'm the last in my family who can claim that. Yeah. That is so cool. Wow. Yeah. And it just gave me a chance to research that that side of me and the the uh, folk the folklore and things like that. And yeah, it's another reason why I love Sabia is that she she loves old movies like I do. So it mm. gave me a chance to Easter egg a ton of my favorite movies. <laughs> and what would what would be your favorite old movie? Oh. Well, it depends on the season for one, but like in Sparks, uh, Sabia is talking with her friend and they're in the middle of remodeling her family home and turning it into an inn. And she turns to her friend and says, so how much is this add-on going to cost? Her friend looks up and goes like, I'm going to put this in the terms of your favorite Christmas movie. Somewhere between ouch and boing, <laughs> <laughs> quoting White Christmas. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I always sing sisters to my sister during Christmas. <laughs> and sisters, then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a sister. So yeah, that's one of my favorites as well. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and in book two, funny. in book two, um, Bridger's Bridger, her boyfriend is scolding her on getting into another murder mystery of and, and she looks up and goes like let me guess this is becoming a very bad habit quoting arsenic and old lace yes love that movie too <laughs> gotta love those two old brides yeah yeah oh my goodness yes we love the same things i am an old movie person as well so i love it all yeah my husband uh, one of the very first movies that he got me was A Touch of Mink. Oh. I love Doris Day. And so I, I love when she has that bottle on her toe. She <laughs> yes. says, hi yeah. And yeah. she's in her toe in the air with that bottle stuck on it. Yes. The hives. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need to get it out and watch it. <laughs> I just watched that a couple days ago. I have it on my DVR. Oh my gosh, maybe I just have to come to Colorado. We can support the old movies. Yeah. Oh. Actually, actually, the third book where, okay, huge spoiler to the listeners out there, which this shouldn't <laughs> no. be a surprise at all. Okay. Uh, Sabia and Bridger get married in the third book. Oh. And there's a she, And she has to meet his relatives. Oh. Well, one of his relatives is not very kind at all. In fact, he, um, after she reminds him of her in's no smoking policy, calls her a fairly mean name. We need to kill him. <laughs> well, don't go, don't 
don't go getting ahead of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, she turns around, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the movie The Women. The Women, no. Oh, well, the end, the end of that movie has a great line that I have Sabia kind of paraphrase. Uh-huh. The line is, as the um, bad girl is leaving, goes like, by the way, there's a name for you ladies, but it isn't used in high society outside of a kennel. <laughs> and it's called The Women? Yes. I'm going to have to write that down. It's Joan Crawford, Norma Shear, and uh, oh, every single member of the cast is a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would hope. <laughs> My goodness, I, I'm going to have to look that up. Joan Crawford, she was scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I have Sabia turn to Bridger's cousin and say, I didn't think people in high society used that word outside of a kennel. <laughs> that's hysterical oh but I love the spoiler alert that they're getting married that is awesome so I had a series or I have a series that's still running my killer coffee series and um she has been single well divorced and then she gets she just starts dating someone and my readers are like okay when is she gonna get married we're like six books in and <laughs> So it was a Halloween book and they dressed up as a bride. Actually, her mother and her grandmother didn't get along. So when she did get engaged in one of the previous books, they fought over um, what she was going to have at her wedding. And she's like, well, this is my wedding, you know, and they're like, no, you know, this is society, blah, blah. So they dressed up um, on Halloween as a bride and groom and little does everybody in the town know, but they did go and get married at the Justice Peace <gasps> at this oh. But anyway, so um, they're like, oh, that's a great costume when they showed up in the book. And they're like, surprise, we're married and we did it our way. So I love weddings in a book. And so, um, yeah, so they have a wedding. Now, are you going to show the wedding or how did I, you do There are actually two weddings. I'll oh. say this. Um, I'm just like giving spoiler alerts all over here. Yes. Uh, the first one they have to do kind of they're doing a secret wedding to kind of to kind of stand up to Bridger's great grandmother who is kind of the matriarch of the family and absolutely does not approve of Sabia at all now is um he also Native American or no actually he is he is um okay in this world it's kind of hard to explain he is a sprite Mm -hmm. so he's more he's of european descent in fact his family's original last name is conier they come from france his great-grandmother rarely leaves france except for this wedding of course Mm. and great-grandmother does not approve of what she calls the new world elves Mm. okay so research and you know are part of that heritage which is oh yes yeah and she is calling the wedding a farce and causing all sorts of mischief (laughs) (laughs) she is not the one that ends up dead but (laughs) 
but like I said, they much, too much to it. There's it, there's going to be a lot of friction. Oh yes. Wow. But like I said, they do a secret ceremony to kind of stand up to her, and then at the end there will be this grand wedding, which his family does weddings that last a month. Mm. Like for the four for the weeks up to the wedding, there's like four parties. There's yeah the <laughs> actually it was it's funny i was talking with someone and they go like you basically have the plot of high society in this movie yeah i was thinking oh wow mm. you got a lot to a lot to prove in those books yeah goodness and, and it's funny because the wedding drama starts in book two where Bridger's mother all of a sudden has, you know, oh, she's going to have the typical wedding like everyone else in the family has had. The big ball gowns, the, they call them the Windsor weddings. Sabia, <laughs> mm. on the other hand, wants an outdoor wedding at her ranch where all her ancestors have gotten married. Mm-hmm. So you've got um, definitely the the crossed seas country kind of things going on too, as in subplot. <laughs> yes, you got a lot going on, girl. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. I tend to put a lot in my books. <laughs> yeah. So, out of your favorite characters, which one out of your series do you would you pick? I'll turn oh. it on you. <laughs> Oh, you. It's a hard question. It really is. Oh, I know, I know. Um, it would probably be Sabia and Bridger. Yeah. Those two together are Just like really my awesome. favorite characters to write. Bridger is her uh, common sense, I guess you could say, her her stabilizing force. Mm-hmm. But she is Bridger's something wild that he needs. Okay. And he knows that he can't tame her, but mm-hmm. he can make her safe. Right. And we women like safety, right? Yeah. <laughs> so is this your first like true cozy cozy or your other books? Are they? I would say this is my first true cozy cozy have mystery i know in your other books but this is your truest this is my truest cozy the small town the the everything that someone would expect with my own little twist to it (laughs) well i think that that's great so you have another you said idea in your head um oh uh the one that the idea i have in my head right now well, actually, it's more than in my head. I wrote it over NaNoWriMo, National oh, Novel Writing Month. Yeah, and I write one every time, too. <laughs> cool. This yeah. one's called Dragon Roast in Danger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, don't give up the names. Love. <laughs> yes. The lead character is a black man. Yeah. Of muscular, tattooed, dreadlocks. But he is such a girl dad. Okay. He's got a 16-year-old daughter. He's a single father. They run a coffee shop together. 
where dragons have decided to live. <laughs> wow. And one of the dragons has is kind of the typical hoarder. You know, it, it collects the shiny things and puts them away. Well, he finds two bullet cases in this oh. dragon's hoard. Oh. And that leads to the mystery. Yeah. So is this a, like a cozy fantasy? Like your own genre? Or is yeah. this? Yeah, very cool. That's really cool. In fact, the the dad finds out he's a wizard in the book. Oh, <laughs> which, yeah. That's which awesome. gives him some skills, some skills and abilities to help solve the mystery. Yeah. I actually throw in a little bit of a Harry Potter reference when he finds out. Because like, shouldn't I have gotten this news when I was a kid by bird or something? <laughs> you love throwing in those. I mean, do you read the catch those? Um, my friend tried to make me read them and I got to about book three. No, I mean, do your readers catch oh. the one? Oh, I misunderstood that question. Okay. Um, I don't know yet. I hope they do. <laughs> I love it. That's hysterical. It's so brilliant, really. Because I, I love Easter egging things I love. Right. Um, brilliant, really. And it's not even just like old movies like with sparks i even reference old sci-fi shows that i love in sparks um in the first book uh sabia's ranch has a halloween festival and she mm -hmm. comes dressed as a character from a sci-fi show called firefly okay um she's talking with her friend about her costume and goes like i think i'm gonna go as a space cowboy <laughs> and her friend goes like do you mean like from the Japanese cartoon Cowboy Bebop or that other show uh-huh and Neither she goes and she goes like I already have the long brown coats I'm going oh. as the other show that's hysterical <laughs> oh yeah and it, it kind of brought to mind the scene from that uh show Castle yeah. Who the star of that was actually the star of Firefly. Okay. And he made tons of references to that show throughout the series, including the Halloween episode where he comes dressed as his character. <laughs> and his daughter in that show goes like, what are you supposed yeah. to be? Yeah. I'm like Space I Cowboy. Space. <laughs> I love that show. That was great. Yeah, he's on something else now, I've seen, but I don't watch it. Yeah. That is so funny. That is great. <laughs> So you are a busy bee as oh. well. Yes, I am very busy. Now, do you write full-time? Is this your full-time career or do you do something else? I write full-time and podcast part-time. So you have two full careers. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. So how can my snips and sleuths follow you? Well, they can follow me, of course, on my newsletter, which is where I try to get everybody to venture over to. I also post a lot on my blog, which is on tanyacappas.com, which you can also sign up for my newsletter there. Um, and then I'm also, of course, on your regular typical social medias. 
Um, but um, mainly um, a lot of my readers catch up through me through my newsletter and I also host, well, not right now because of COVID, but every year I have an annual reader, mystery reader weekend. And so that sells out pretty fast about, you know, within like seven to 10 hours when I first put those on sale. So usually if um, readers want to get up in personal and spend a weekend with me, um, they would also find that on my website. So it's kind of crazy. Oh, wow. So many crazy. ways to get in touch with you. And that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm very uh, open to them. You know, I do a lot of lives. Um, I, like I said, I do um, virtual book signings now. And it's just, um, I'm very, very involved with my readers. So you were saying how um, I asked you if your readers, you know, caught one-liners. And another way that I get my readers involved is I will ask them to send me a picture um, and a description of something that they cherish. And I've gotten several things like ring, you know, jewelry, um, even animals that they love, of course, because we love our fur babies. Um, uh, just a ton of different bowls, antique things. And so I will sprinkle those in my book. I'll sprinkle, I'll pick like 10 and I'll put, put them in my book. And um, then I make a scavenger hunt sheet that they readers can download and they can look for those items um, in the books that they're scattered in. So that's a lot of fun just to try to get your readers involved in your books a little bit more than just reading but, you know, still my one main purpose is to just help them escape, you know, out of a crazy day. If their day was bad or good, you know, just give them that little piece of time where they're going to sit down. And, and isn't it just amazing, Leanna, that people actually buy your book and sit down and just read something that you, you know, we, you know, we do pour our heart out onto every word that we write. But isn't it just, doesn't it just like blow your mind? um that readers actually pick up your stuff buy your book and escape for even just a five minutes I mean not just an amazing job yeah it is it is one of the best parts of being a writer is the fact that we can let someone escape through our imaginations and right. it's just mind-blowing <laughs> It is. I mean, you know, again, I told you I had four boys. I mean, I'd have, you have a baby and you look at the baby and I, I don't think that you have a baby because you are very young. Um, and I mean, you could, but I think you're like, what, 18? <laughs> you're so Thank you very much. Thank you uh, very much. <laughs> but you might have children. I don't know. But when a mother, when I looked at my kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made that. And um, not that I'm comparing birthing a book with birthing a child, but I still, it's one of those things. I just can't believe that someone would pick up an old country girl's book and read it, you know, and enjoy it and escape. And that is really, um, how I didn't start reading until I was in my thirties. And, um, that's how I escaped from, um, you know, a bad situation as I got lost in a book. And um, I thought, gosh, if I, my, well, then of course, years later at a book club, or um, my husband um, was, had, when you host a book club, you get to pick the book for that next month. So it was at my house and he picked up one of the many books. I picked up like 10 books and he's like, oh my gosh, I thought you were picking the book. Why do you have 10 books? I'm like, cause I don't know which one I'm going to pick yet. I, these all look good, you know? And so he's like, my goodness. So he picked one up and he said, you know, you could write this. 
And um, about two hours later, my book club, and I was telling them a story, they're like, oh my gosh, Tanya, that's so funny. You should put that in a book. You should write that. So it just took that little spark for me to say, you know, I woke my husband up in the middle of the night when they left, probably had two, one too many drinks in my system. And I woke him up and I said, um, do you really think I could write something that would help readers escape like I escaped? And he was like, absolutely, absolutely. So that next day, um, underneath the, a tree, an oak tree, my two of my boys played peewee football. And they were too, you couldn't leave them because they were too young to leave in case they got hurt or in case they just want to come over to mama. And so I had to sit there for two and a half hours, but I went to um, the store and I picked up a notebook and a pencil and started my first book and I never looked back. And it just amazes me because people will say, um, you know, something about an author or this, that, and the other. And I'm like, you know, I'm not an author and I'm not a writer. I am a storyteller. <laughs> I leave it up to my editors to, to make it all pretty, but um, you know, it's, it's that I'm just a storyteller. And I think that as an, as a writer, as you and I both were bring the word to the page, um, you know, it, it's fun to get those emails and, and, and help the, the reader escape. And especially today I had a newsletter come out and, um, I had taken four screenshots of, um, four emails I got last week, um, and said, you know, you have really helped through this whole COVID thing, you know, and that to me is just such good medicine, you know, and it just keeps me going, you know, it just really does. Yeah, and that is such a great, just great to hear that, that your books are helping everyone through, get through this COVID thing and just yeah. they're helping me too I mean I don't know about you but I mean even you know people like oh has your life really changed I'm like really it hasn't <laughs> you know I'm always <laughs> writing um and I'm kind of an introvert extrovert like I can do an interview I can go do conferences I can do book signings but then as soon as those few hours are over I just want to kind of nestle on in you know and just kind of escape um myself and so um really it hasn't really changed my life all that much because I'm still at home writing, doing what I would normally do. But I'm finding that not going to conferences and not wasting that time, um, that I have written more and escaped yeah. more into my own things. So it's also helped me kind of escape and drown out the other noise. You know, has it helped you at all like that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think if I had had to go to the conferences I go to and things like that I wouldn't have had time to really focus on getting the podcast going as strong as it is right yeah or, I saw that you've got over a thousand that is great actually it's reached over 10,000 total plays which is incredible and I think it was a thousand okay so <laughs> I, I misread that so it was 10 because I yeah. thought that I on your Facebook like a few weeks ago I'm like oh my gosh so it was 10,000 so I completely misread that congratulations that is yeah amazing. and I am every time I see that number I'm actually shocked <laughs> that so many people are loving this show yeah it is great and um you know a lot of people love cozies it's 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 a good escape they're not too um, you know, too heavy and 
They help, you know, people through a fun little mystery, albeit there might be a murder, there might just be a crime, but, um, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing. It helps people. So your book that you wrote through NaNoWriMo, I want to go back to that book. I know this is your interview, but I want to go back to that book because I want to know what are your plans for that series? Is it a series? Just one book? What is your plan for that? I am actually planning on making it a series. I have thoughts that will carry the main character's daughter at least through to college. And like I said, she's 16. So there's probably about three years worth of activities so with that actually um so it's going to be focused on the dad or the daughter or both both wow. they're they're both such it's kind of like with sparks and it kind of focuses on both bridger and sabia mm -hmm. so with this one it's both gonna be drake and his daughter Gemma. okay interesting and they're both working to solve the mysteries together, though Drake is very much a, you are not going to get involved in this. You, I'm not going to let you get hurt through this. But of course, you know, she's getting in. Right, right. That's amazing. So I, one of my most popular series um, is A Magical Cure. And it is a um, witch book, a witch series. Well, really, it's a spiritualist. I call it the spiritualist. And there's dark siders and they're good siders. It's a whole whole world, you know, as we make up. And their town is a um, just a small Kentucky town. And people, each shop is a cover-up for that shop owner's gifts. So, like, the um, Gathering Grove Tea Shop, he's a tea leaf reader. Um, the Cleansing Spirit Spa, she is a palm reader. Um, the, there's a mystic lights. It's a lighting shop and candles and things like that. And she is a, um, a crystal ball reader. And so my main character, she is a homeopathic cure shop, which whenever you walk in the door, you think you might have heartburn, but she's like, Oh, I know what's going on with you or something like that. Right. So that series was one of my most popular and people loved it. So finally, you know, after, I think I, it was a book 14 is where I ended it. And I ended it with them having a baby finally. And so kind of like your book, um, they, she didn't know that she was a spiritualist until she moved into this town, uh, but they knew it. So they had given her a cat when she was 10 and the cat showed up on her door and that's her fairy god cat. So in this book series, he's her fairy god cat. So I ended the book, <clears throat> the series where she got married, of course, before that, but then they had a baby. Um, and yeah, I just got tired of writing in that series, but my readers are always like, when are you going to put another book out? You kind of left it a cliffhanger. I'm like, I didn't, I tied up everything. And I also, you know, let them have a baby and, and let them live their life. And so, um, after a year of not writing that series, which kind of reminds me of, but you're having the two in, in your book, but so the new series I'm writing is called the magical or Southern magical baking series. And it's their daughter grown and she's moved out of the small town. So the book is going to be based on her life out of this small town, but people and the um, spiritualists from the other book series is going to come in to visit her in each book. So they're still going to see the same characters that they love. They're just going to be the secondary characters and the sleuth from the original story will be a secondary character, a mother 
to this girl. So that's the series I'm starting to work on. And, you know, it's been so much fun, you know, writing the main sleuth as a secondary character um, and seeing her through the lens of a different sleuth. It's been kind of crazy. That sounds like your books sound incredible. <laughs> well, thank you. They're just me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mark Twain. You know, what was his quote? He said, my books are like water. Those of great geniuses are wine. Unfortunately, everybody has to drink water to survive, right? <laughs> right. Uh, that's what I always say my books are like water. You know, everybody has to have water after that wine. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's one of my crazy mantras, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, mine is I create the character and then from then on I take dictation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is truth i mean it is the truth yeah uh many times I, I walk every day in the woods um and um in our woods and and i get my most creative thoughts from from that and i was just telling a girlfriend of mine today um that if i don't get the thoughts down when i'm walking then i feel like they just drift off in the wind and they'll get to another writer and another writer will pick that up so I have started like dictating on my phone um, into the voice memo section of that. And when I come back, I push, um, I pull up a new document and then I will play, I'll put, put, I'll hit the dictate button on my document on my Mac and then I'll play my memo back of me talking and it will dictate it for me um, onto the page. And so, um, you know, I try to get down every thought that comes to me when I'm walking in nature. Do you find that, um, what, what do you find helps your, your creative side? What is the, I know you just said that your characters dictate to you, which they do, and that's where they dictate to me most. What about you? Where do you get your most creative flow? When I'm listening to music, actually, like mm -hmm. with um, the spark, with Sparks of Suspicion, I know there was a time I was having a hard time really just getting into um, Sabia's head and figuring out her motives and everything. All of a sudden, I found a playlist of, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her music, Lindsay Sterling. No. She's kind of a pop violinist. Um, beautiful. I bet it's beautiful. Oh, it's so much fun and there was one song in particular that she played on it was from a Disney movie I think it was like a live action remake of Pete's Dragon or something like that oh, Wow! and the song was I just didn't know it was her <laughs> and the, so the song was you know how I called Sabia Bridgers something wild yes well that was the title of the song mm -hmm. something wild and the the lines of that song are almost Bridger and Sabia's relationship where um, the chorus is like when something wild calls you home. Mm -hmm. And it's like with Bridger, Sabia almost called him home. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. That's good. That's really good. You're the wine, I'm the water. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you are the wine, I'm the water. That's so funny. So how long are your books? I find this interesting. Um, a, 
a little over two. Oh, whoops, two thousand. No, not that one. They're a little over fifty thousand words, so okay. about under two hundred pages. Yeah. So that is interesting because um, one of my publishers, which is HarperCollins, they only wanted the books to be 50,000 words, which is crazy for a traditional publisher, right? Right. So I also have a series with Crooked Lane under a pen name and they wanted 80,000 words. I'm like, you want fluff. You want the fluff. I can't write the fluff. I don't write the fluff. You I get out, I'm done. Yeah, I write the funny. And so it was difficult writing 80,000 words because, um, you know, my readers, it was interesting also, and as, as you know, um, when people scoffed at us for self-publishing, right, the other authors, um, I'm like, readers don't care how you're published. They don't know. They can't even tell if you're published with a publisher or not. They just want a really good book. And, you know, honestly, it doesn't really matter about the length of, of the books. My sweet spot is about 50 to 54,000 words. So I think it's always interesting to hear the take on other authors um about what their word count is because some traditional authors that have gone to self-publishing you know, opposite of me and um, they still feel like they need to write those 70 to eighty thousand words i'm like you don't that's fluff you know so um but i find that interesting you know the the craft of writing and how different it is right oh absolutely everyone has their own path their own style their own craft to it Right. There are those who have offices that look like they're ready to take over some sort of some sort of small town because they have the map of the town. They have the oh, yeah. all the characters pinned out and figured out where they are. Oh, and, I, I can't write like that. I don't write like that. Do you? I mean, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I tried once, and my I it was like I could see my character in my head just crossing her arms, going like, uh, -uh yeah. no. <laughs> It's, I always, um, people ask me about that, you know, and I say, well, with the mystery, it's interesting because you really kind of write a mystery backwards. You kind of have to know who got killed and why. And then you kind of have to know, you know, who the killer was, right? And so you kind of write them backwards. So I always know the murder, why they're murdering, who the killer is. Well, at least I think I know who the killer is until I'm halfway through and the killer says, I'm not the killer, that's the killer. So, you know, you have all of these people that um, are, um, you know, saying that they're a killer in my head. So I always change it up. So I could never write from a plot. Um, oh. I just am not, not wired that way, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I hear you on that one. Actually, yeah. it's funny with, um, with Sparks, my killer was so hard to peg down because he has a very special talent, which I'm not going to share what it is on air. I want people to read the book. <laughs> yes, I do need to read the book. The Mystic Ranch, which is The Mystic Ranch, which just is so cool. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, wait a minute. Why all of a sudden are you telling me this toward the end of the book that you have this talent? <laughs> Because we're going to use it in the next books, right? <laughs> right. Oh, I love it. I love it. And now with book three, um, the victim is actually going to get killed with a poisoned vape pen. Oh, I even love that better. <laughs> Which was such a crazy, you know, out of left field idea. But it's like, well, the dude smokes. Why don't you just kill him off with his own vice? <laughs> Awesome. I killed somebody with liquid nicotine in their shampoo once. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, cyanide in fingernail polish. Oh, oh yeah. now that's, that's an interesting one. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, there you have it. I know. Um, and so my sister is a neurologist, and so I always love to pick her brain. <laughs> now, how can someone look like they had a heart attack, but they've been poisoned, or this has happened, or what can happen to their brain by poison that made them have a stroke? And you know, so I had even had a girl um, in one of my books that was in a coma, and she heard the person in the emergency room next to her get killed. Oh. That was a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, but I mean, yeah. And so then I had another one where they did a um, reenactment and the little did they know that before the reenactment, someone had escaped from prison and he had gone to prison for murder and um, he had looked, he had stopped and when they were taking him out of the courtroom and he stopped and looked at all the jurors and the judge is like, what are you doing? You know, you need to move on. And he's like, I'm looking at every one of their faces because one day they'll see me again. So just so happens, 10 years later, he escapes from prison during this reenactment. And the lady that um, he does, he has on regular clothes, which is part of the mystery. Uh, but anyways, and he's just trying to get from point A to point B. And that's to really get out of town. And so the lady that's in charge of the reenactment said, oh my goodness, you must be the one that's stepping in for so-and-so and hands him a uniform and a bayonet. Oh. And so as he's trying to get across the field during this reenactment, just to get out of town, he is pretend fighting and he comes to face to face with someone that he recognizes as a juror and he stabs him. Oh. So then they're like, oh my gosh, did you see Daryl? He fell like he really got killed. That is like some great acting, you know? That's what the people on the sidelines are saying. So then he, the, the killer, he keeps chugging through the reenactment, seeing other people that was also on the jury of this small town and he kills them. And so at the end of the battle, after they figure out something has gone awry, um, he is also dead. So who oh. killed him? So see, um, it, it's a very, so, you know, you always, as an author, writer, you know, whatever I am, a storyteller, I try to give that little twist of, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, where did she come up with that idea? I have no idea. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the character, right? Right. <laughs> like with the, with the second book, I have, oh, uh, I actually have the bad guy getting killed with a fictional uh, oil that's put into a dart gun. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's, it's just, with cozy mystery writers, I, I feel it's great because you can talk about this stuff without actually sounding like, oh my gosh, do we need to be worried about you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I joke all the time. If some, if the FBI came, they would be like, she's a serial killer. If they grab my computer. But when people ask me, well, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, I kill people for a living. And they're like, what? I'm like in fiction. <laughs> legally, legally kill people for a living. So yeah, it's really fun. It is really fun. So are you um, finished with the second book in the new series since you've yep. written the first? It's currently in edits. Oh, good. Which is kind of a weird, huh? Are you rapid releasing or what do you use your plan for those? 
Um, I am, I am hoping to have it released sometime this year. I'll say that. Yeah, that might be Well, my editor has kind of vanished on me a little bit, so. No. So, I'm hoping I can get back to her and we can get back on track. And then get you a new cover artist for the covers. Actually, I have a new cover artist and she's oh. working on the new covers right now. She Perfect. has done some amazing work. She just showed me one a couple nights ago that was great, except it was a little bit too purple. Oh, <laughs> and purple's my color. <laughs> but oh. she's, she's fixed it now. It looks great. And I'm hoping we can get that new cover out soon. And she's given me some pointers on how to fix up my, my Amazon ad so that Maybe by this year, I will actually, or by sometime this year, I'll have some decent sales. Good. For it. <laughs> That's great. I play with those Amazon ads all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, I have had so much fun chatting with you. We've, do you know, we've been on this an hour. Time just flew. Are you kidding me? That I was like, no wonder my dogs and the cats are looking at me like, uh, it's time to eat, lady. <laughs> I have just one more question and it'll probably keep us on an hour again. <laughs> uh, I'm more interested in you than anything. Oh, do you have any closing words of advice or wisdom? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I think if, if it's for writers or readers, uh, there's a lot of different things for writers. It would again be you're a writer, right? You know, that's going to be your because it was like, oh, how do you make money at this? Well, you have to have your passion, right? And I think with your joy, your passion comes your joy and out of joy comes the success. Um, and uh, again, don't get wrapped up in doing social media all the time. Um, you know, you just need to write. You're a writer, you know, and that's what you're called to do. Um, if you're a reader, I would beg our readers to spread the word, you know, spread the word about your favorite authors. It doesn't have to be my book. You know, it can be Leanna's books. Definitely spread the word because that's how we get recognized, you know, by spreading the word and telling your friends. So um, that would be just my two biggest takeaways after a very fun career that I've been on. Right. Right. And those are some great takeaways. Yeah. Do you have anything that you would like to add to that? Well, for writers, write for yourself a right. lot of it oh that's great yeah don't write to market yeah people are gonna say hey this is the popular thing you should be writing this yeah don't do that don't do that if yeah. you have a character that is in your heart just saying get me out into the world yeah follow that, that character's advice yeah and it will spill out on the page and your readers will connect with that for sure. That is great advice. That's great advice, Leanna. That's really good advice. And with readers, read what you love. Yeah. That's all I can say. Read what you love. Yeah. You don't true. have to read the classics and mm -mm. all that. You just read what you love and that to be, to be read list will either grow or it will shrink. <laughs> That's true. And on that advice, also though, we do recommend you love old movies, right? 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and as soon as we got this call, I am going to watch the women, the 1939 version of the women. Absolutely. Though I do like how the musical version from the 60s ends just a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> but I do I prefer the 1939 version. Okay. With Norma Shearer and Jane Crawford and Rosalind Russell. Uh, absolutely. It, and I'll let you know how that turns out. Oh, I hope you love it as much as I do. I've practically worn out my DVR playing that one. I can quote every line from that movie. Well, I will let you know. <laughs> well, Snoops and Sleuths, you've heard another great interview here on The Cozy Sleuth. Until next time, this is Leanna Shields saying, keep cozy. And I'd like to thank my patrons, Regina, Cozy Cub, and Dower Bear for their help in keeping the show commercial-free and growing. And I'd also like to thank my coffee clutch for their contributions as well. If you'd like to be like Regina or my fellow podcasters, the Cozy Cub and Dower Bear, join us on patreon.com slash the Cozy Sleuth, where you can either become a guiding clue, a small town sleuth, a clever sidekick, or a Sherlock Holmes. Until next time, keep cozy.